Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday. Glad you made it. Awesome show planned for you today, this week. Shamika Michelle back in studio with us. Round of applause. Always great to have Shamika in studio with us. Royce White's going to be with us just around the corner. So is Steve Kim. And so is Charlie Kirk, an action-packed uh, show planned for you. Uh, we'll start with a fire starter. We'll also start with you slamming that like button and slamming that five-star review on Apple. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the likes, hit the subscriptions, hit subscribe. Tell your friends to come watch and join us. If you're on Apple, give us the five-star review. Write in a review of this show. Today's show, fantastic. We're going to use sports to help explain the world. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Nikola Jokic's NBA Finals MVP and championship hit different, meaning they do not feel nearly as important as his predecessor's crowning achievements. That's not intended as a knock on the Serbian superstar who secured his first title Monday night with a victory over the Miami Heat. It's a knock on the NBA and Nike's 30-year global mission. Globalism diminishes and dilutes everything it touches. Last night, following the Denver Nuggets 94-89 victory, Jokic and his teammates had the most subdued championship celebration perhaps in the history of American sports. When asked by ESPN sideline reporter Lisa Salters how it felt to be champion of the NBA, listen to Jokic's reply. Now you are an NBA champion, Nicola. How does that feel? It's good. It's good. The job is done. We can go home now. <laughs> Congratulations. Mike. Uh, that's not quite Kevin Garnett sh shouting, anything has been possible! Did I say that anything is possible? He didn't say impossible, but anyway, remember that in 2008? Inside the Nuggets locker room, there were no iconic moments of Jokic sobbing and hugging the Larry O'Brien trophy with his dad comforting him. That's what Michael Jordan did in 1991 after winning his first title. In the moments after winning, Jokic spent more time hunting down Heat players to acknowledge and console than reveling in what his dominance created. Again, I'm not knocking Nikola Jokic. He strikes me as humble, well-intentioned, and rational. He also strikes me as someone well aware that the NBA isn't all that important. That's not good for American basketball. Passion permits fanaticism, and fanaticism drives interest in the game. Despite the best efforts of ESPN and Fox Sports 1, debate shows the NBA is a lot less interesting than it used to be. Globalism is partially to blame. 
The NBA's best players, Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, Shea Gilchus Alexander, I don't know if I said that right, Shea Alexander from OKC, they weren't born in the States. They didn't spend their childhoods following, thinking about, and learning the unique histories of NBA franchises. Embiid and Shea Alexander each had a tiny cup of coffee in American college basketball. The foreigners do not revere the players who made the NBA great or the league's history the way LeBron James and Steph Curry do. They can't, nor should they be expected to. The lack of reverence leads to a lack of passion. For Nikola Jokic, the NBA is a fun, high-paying job. It allows him to take care of his family. It's a great nine to five. It's not how he defines his journey as a man. He couldn't care less what Kendrick Perkins thinks of him or his back-to-back -back MVP trophies. This is healthy for Jokic. It's bad for the NBA. It's an unintended consequence of the league's pursuit of global dominance. In the aftermath of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird making the NBA relevant to American sports fans, then Commissioner David Stern, at the behest of Nike founder Phil Knight, embarked on a journey to make the association a global force. The real purpose of the 1992 Dream Team, the collection of NBA stars who competed in the Barcelona Olympics, was to make the world pay attention to Michael Jordan and the league he dominated. A decade after the Dream Team, Stern and the NBA negotiated a deal with the Chinese Communist Party to make Yao Ming the number one pick of the 2002 NBA draft. Making Ming an NBA star keyed Stern's strategy of one day landing a television contract from the CCP that would dwarf all the combined TV rights deals of the NFL. Globalism was going to make the NBA, and more importantly Nike, more powerful and popular than the NFL. Starting with Tim Duncan, who was born and reared in the Virgin Islands, 10 of the last 22 NBA MVPs were born outside the United States. Antetokounmpo, Jokic, and Embiid have won the last five MVP titles. The NBA has been globalized. It's not as interesting. It's not as passionate. As the kids say, the league hits different. There's no loyalty. As fearless contributor Royce White likes to say, there's no sacred honor. Players hop from team to team. Look at LeBron James and Kevin Durant, the two most talented players of this era. They played for seven teams combined. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan played for four. When you remove borders, you remove boundaries. You decrease the value of honor, fidelity, and allegiance. Professional sports are just another TV show, no different from The Sopranos or Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones. A compelling narrative arc mixed with great character development determines the popularity of a TV show. Tony Soprano's complicated relationship with his mother and wife made The Sopranos must-see TV. We knew Tony's backstory. We could relate to Tony's backstory. He captured our imagination. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James captured our imagination. They were great American narrative arcs. The same is true for NFL stars. We know even more about them because their stories include fascinating college careers. We'll never relate to Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, 
and Giannis Antetokounmpo in the same way. They're great players, great people. They're not as relatable. And they don't care about American traditions and history the way we do. Jokic wants to go home. I don't blame him. Being a global citizen is overrated. Do we have the clip of, of Jokic that I asked for? The clip of Jokic talking about the parade. Yeah, let, let, let's, this is the button I want to put on that whole deal. Um, you said Nicole after the Lakers the when conference. you said you were surprised that you didn't feel more. So I'm curious what you are feeling right now and if you're looking forward to a parade coming up in Denver. When is parade? When is parade? Thursday. No. I need to go home. <laughs> okay. That says it all about the NBA, Nikola Jokic, and not, I don't blame the guy. I'm not at all taking a dump on Nikola Jokic. He's got the right attitude. But this is the consequence of globalism and injecting all the foreigners into an American product. It dilutes the American product. It dilutes the passion for the American product. This whole little open borders, no loyalty, no nothing. This all takes a toll on traditional American institutions. This is why I've, people are, oh, you should quit talking about sports. You should, uh, you're now not a sports commentator. You're now more of a political, you're a culture guy. I'm never going to leave sports because you can tell the entire American story just by analyzing sports. Sports are central to the American narrative and arc and who we are. And every problem that is plaguing America can be seen first or most brightly or most understandably in the sports world. That's why I wanna bring Royce White into this conversation. And, and, and Royce is someone that, you know, loves to tell us, and he's accurate, you know, hey, you guys want to jerk off and play video games, you guys want to, you know, watch your sports and go to movies and, and all that, and you want to ignore uh, the rest, the real issues going on. And Royce, this is where I say, this is why I think basketball and these sports are so important. It's a way of unpacking all the issues you want to get at in a way that's relatable to the average idiot like myself. And so I look at Nikola Jokic and what's going on with the NBA, and I, and I can see the things I don't like about the NBA, and I can connect it directly to globalism, and it helps me understand why. This is why America, we, we, don't, even, we don't respect American traditions, institutions, the uniqueness of being an American, and, and, and now that we have this league without borders and players run off to this country and that country during the summer, they don't care as much about the game. They don't care about loyalty. There is, as I quoted, uh, and I don't really have a question. I just want you to respond and jump in here. But there, as I quoted you, this is all a part of why there's no sacred honor to almost anything anymore. Well, yeah. First off, I'm going to start with this. I'm I'm not accepting that you're uh, you're this idiot that you like to claim to be on this show with that fire starter as in depth as you went. 
There's no way you can pass that on me. You might be able to pass that on some other jerk-offs who watch the show. Not me, though. I'm not buying it. That was an incredible fire starter. That's as, that's as clear and as in-depth of an analysis of the situation as you could possibly do. I don't see anybody who does analysis like that. So I'm not buying the, the stupid deal. And I'm also not buying it from the American people. I know the American people have a vested interest to, to play along with the stupidity. But I don't really buy that they're stupid. Um, and, and I don't buy that they they can be related to with with uh, deeper and more intellectual issues. I think that the high is just really good. And, you know, like a crackhead will go to jail if they know they can get a fix. That says something about the power of crack in the human mind. Um, but, but, sorry, I, that, that was just I just had to start there. But um, as far as Jokic goes, look, the guy's an incredible player. He's one of the best basketball players I think I've ever seen from a skill standpoint. And it's not just the skill. It's his understanding of the game. It's his understanding. It's his ability to see the next play. It's ability to see steps ahead. It's what makes a chess player a great chess player. It's what makes a, a mixed martial artist or a boxer a great, a, a great mixed martial artist or boxer. It's what makes any athlete a great athlete, the ability to see ahead. Now, he wows us because his body is not typical of elite athletes throughout history. It, it doesn't resemble this elite athlete body. Even for big men, you take Kareem, you take Wilt, you take Hakeem, you take KG. Even Tim Duncan was a world-class swimmer before he ever set, stepped foot in the NBA. Um, these guys were athletes. Uh, this guy doesn't look like an athlete, and he's done a, a great job to slim his body down even from a few years back where he was severely overweight, in my opinion, and it's paid dividends for him, but but it's not about the athleticism. He sees the game uh, a step ahead. Um, it, the flip side of that coin is that the game is extremely soft. The game has become extremely soft. I don't believe, personally, that Jokic would be able to have the same type of su success uh, in the true big man era where you had the Rashid Wallaces and the and the uh, Chris Webbers and the Kevin Garnetts and the Antonio McDice and, and Jermaine O'Neal and all these other big men that actually lay wood on you, would put a forearm on you, would bump you over the course of four quarters. It was a dogfight. It was especially a dogfight for post players and big men, but it was also a dogfight for guards. I grew up in the 90s, so we watched basketball play the, the last era of tough physical basketball. I don't think Jokic would have the same success that he is having now statistically in that era. I also don't think many of the guards would have the same success. I bring that up because this entire softness, this entire uh, offensification, if that's a word, making the, the game more offense dominated uh, is the product of globalism. This is the resignation of the sports world saying, hey, how can we draw as many short-term gratification eyeballs as we can. It's the same thing with the alcohol. The alcohol was the predicate. The, the alcohol being sold, and, I, and I'm not for monitoring whether adults drink alcohol or not. All I'm saying to sports fans out there is if you can't enjoy the nuances and beauty of sports without being drunk, it denigrates the sports. So that already laid the pathway. That laid the groundwork that in order to enjoy the sports, in order to enjoy the beauty of the game, you got to be drunk or you should at least be allowed to get drunk. Right? I don't believe in that. And I believe that this next iteration of let's make the game all about offense. Let's make the game. How many points can you score now? We're going to score 145 points in four quarters or whatever the case may be. Threes and analytics and Daryl Morey, who helped usher in the Yao Ming deal that you that you spoke about, by the way. Um, 
we're going to make this game hyper offense. And that way the younger people will, will have more, you know, there'll be more attention and eyeballs on the game. This is what globalism brings you. You're right. It does water down things. It does water down things. And that's not on, that's not on Jokic. It's on the rest of us. <clears throat> I want to spend a little time just talking about Jokic. And I know particularly me, I've never met him. I'm just speculating from afar. But when I watch him and the way he ignores a lot of the noise, like Kendrick Perkins and a, a Mark Jackson leaving him off the ballot and say, oh, it was an oversight, uh, Lisa Salters. These are people, Kendrick Perkins, Lisa Salters, Mark Jackson, these guys are highly connected to the NBA and either left him off their MVP ballot Claimed he shouldn't get the MVP because he's white and, you know, he's getting this favoritism. And Lisa Salter said, hey, you know, this is the first time this year I've seen him play. These are people very connected to the game. Jokic doesn't care about any of that because, and again, I know I'm speculating, but I think he's laughing at American culture. And I think he's laughing at a lot of, without saying it without being disrespectful, I think he's laughing at a lot of his competitors in the NBA that don't know how to play the game the right way, that have allowed someone who can barely jump over uh, the telephone book, if they had telephone books anymore, uh, be this dominant in this game because they don't know how to play. Either They're too high, they're too disinterested, they're too caught. Again, could you imagine, I'm sure Jokic, when they're canceling games over Jacob Blake and everybody's to all these gestures and stuff like this. And this dude's like, I'm from Serbia. This is silly. This is stupid. These guys are always looking for an excuse not to play. And, and so when I hear the guy basically say, man, I got to get home. Th 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 that's a guy that's, <laughs> that's like, I'm over here to collect this check. I, I deal with American idiocy but I can't wait to get back home to my family, my people, my culture. And, and yeah. I look at it and juxtapose it to the American athlete who doesn't have that kind of reverence or gratitude or respect for their own country. And I think I, 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 I would love to be a fly on the wall when Jokic and his brother and brothers are flying home and what they're really saying about the guys Jokic is competing against. Well, look, the, the Eastern European culture is a very, very different culture. And, and Serbia has a very uh, unique geopolitical history, very close ties to Russia, which is which is unique for those Eastern Bloc countries. There's there's conflicts that have gone off bet between uh, Russia and certain Eastern European countries because of, of the Russians affection with the Serbians. Um, but but that's a history for people to look into themselves. My, my point is that, um, you know, you you can tell you can tell that. Jokic um, is not interested in all the extracurricular, right? It's it's not. Look, and it, I, I, in many ways, I agree with you because I'm a young black man. I came up through the '90s, do the Bulls era. Then I was here in Minnesota. I got to watch KG. It's funny that you use KG because he's kind of the symbol of passion. And and I want to say this: um, I think KG represents. Um, a passion that you need to stabilize a team when a team doesn't have stable and sound fundamental players across the board, right? Denver benefits, this is basketball, more basketball, but Denver benefits from having 
a core group of guys that are all very fundamentally sound. They don't need a stabilizing vocal leader. So it's kind of unfair to compare KG and Jokic in that way. The, Jamal Murray doesn't need Jokic's stability. Rajon Rondo did need KG's mentorship and stability. It helped Rajon become the, the leader that he would become, right? Uh, Jamal Murray doesn't need that. Jamal Murray is as steady as they come. Uh, Michael J. Porter, who's been hurt for a long time, as he gets stronger, it's hard for me not to see the Denver Nuggets winning again if they all stay healthy. And Jokic is the maybe the prime uh, candidate to have some some physical troubles just because the way his body's built. But if they all stay healthy, it'd be, it's hard for me not to see them winning again next year. Uh, barring some trades and things in the offseasons like, like Durant, uh, where he ends up and, and, and where Kyrie ends up, stuff like that. But, but my point is that Jokic isn't interested in the extracurricular, and part of that is because in the Eastern Bloc, uh, they have culture. They have an identity. They have national identity. They have been imbued with this sense of historical identity and sacred honor. Black people here in America, our identity, our identity is our sports. Kanye West told these sellouts, when you don't have land, you settle for brands. And one of the biggest brands to black people is the NBA and our, and our, and our contribution to American society through the NBA. And it's how blacks have been cucked to the corporatocracy at mass. And this is why I'm one of the main people behind the scenes telling you, you're not a sports journalist. You're not a sports journalist. You're one of the most important political voices in, in, in American history. And we have a corporatocracy, the same corporatocracy that pays the NBA's bills, the same Pfizer that's paying for the ads. We have the corporatocracy going after a former president on explicitly political, uh, selective political prosecution right now today. Jason Whitlock's one of the only people out there on YouTube who tells the truth, who hasn't been censored. My channel's certainly getting throttled. My, my episode's coming on tonight. You can't even find me in the search bar on, on YouTube. You're one of the most po important political voices in the world. We as black men have to save this country. And it's not just black men, but we have to light the fuse. We have to lead the way. But so many of us are worried, are, are jacking off watching basketball. I love basketball. I watch it with my son, but I make sure my, my son watches Malcolm and Steve Bannon and all these people after he's done or in between. I have a serious doubt that the people who spend a short amount of time watching sports aren't coupling that with betting on sports, with following up on sports in the morning, with watching all the commentary around sports. There's like a full spectrum jerk off around sports. And all Jokic is saying is like, I'm not interested in no parade. I just spent nine months, 10 months out of a year, just giving every single ounce of my fat body to this game. I don't want to come jerk off at a, at a parade with the people of Denver and act like we're one big family. We're not. I'm from Serbia. I don't, I'm not Mormon. I don't believe, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm not Mormon, but you know what I mean? You know, it's just, I'm not interested in it. I'm not interested in the charade or the parade. I'm ready to go home and rest. So let me end this part of the discussion with a more frivolous conversation, but you kind of went there. You, you, you opened the door for me to do this, Royce, because I, 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 I do want to have this discussion. You've said off top that, hey, Jokic in a different era wouldn't be what he is right now. And so I've yeah. seen some people jump to, hey, he's a legend now. You can now mention him with some of the five, six, seven, eight greatest centers of all time. I, I don't know if I'm ready to go there, and I respect him. I think it's great what he accomplished, 
But someone said he's a top five all-time center, and I was like, hold on, really? Because I just start, just off the top of my head, I went Kareem, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, uh, Shaq, Moses Malone, Hakeem Olajuwon. That, that's six that, that I'm saying. I, I can't put Jokic with those six. I, I just can't. Uh, and then there's... David Robinson, and uh, you know, I'm not sure if he's better than David. Uh, and so th- there's seven, and, and then you know, I, I'm saying, is he really Bob Lanier? Nah, he's probably better than Bob Lanier, but I don't know if you put him in that era, you know, he wouldn't be shooting threes like he is now. It, how, how, where does Jokic, does this season and his accomplishments? Does it put him in a top five conversation? I mean, I'm just, uh, I, I, in all honesty, yeah, um, yes, okay, yes, he do, it does. Let, let me, let me, let me take, let me take, let me take two different, <laughs> let me take two different sides of this real quick. Um, number one, let me stop you, you before you pl- go because I just want, you, I just want okay. you to think about what you're saying. I get he just yeah, won a title. Five. He's top five. Come on, Royce. No, listen. He's not even. I'm going to just say that right listen. now, if his career stopped today, if his career stopped today, no, listen to his me. peak, his listen, peak listen to is me. not Bill Walton's peak. Go back listen to Bill to Walton me. in Portland and his MVP season. Listen uh, go ahead. to go me. Ahead. Go ahead. Listen to go me ahead. now. Yeah. Okay. From a basketball standpoint, First of all, it's it's inappropriate to compare players across generations. You are the you are the players. You're only as good by good or bad by comparison. You're only as good or bad by the players you played with. You can't compare players across generations in a true sense because you can't help the players you played with. He can't help that he didn't play against Kareem or Wilt or Bill Russell or Shaq. Just like Shaq can't help that he didn't play against Kareem. Just like Kareem couldn't help that he didn't play against Bill or Wilt. You can't help that. You're only good or bad by comparison. Right now with the players that he's playing against, with the game that he's in, with the culture that's built around it, the rules changes and all of that, he's dominant. Somebody else could have risen up and been dominant in that era too. They could have been black, white, Chinese, green from another planet. Doesn't matter to me. Okay, what I'm saying is right now the skill that he's shown, skill-wise, he's unstoppable. He's 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 virtually unstuck. The only consideration is if you could be more physical with him, if you could be more physical with him, which I actually believe. I actually believe if you were able to be more physical with him, that he wouldn't be as productive. But he may be able to adjust to that because he shows a great adapt, uh, you know, adaptability in the game. The man is virtually he, I think he I think he's involved in probably like 60 percent of the offense for the Denver Nuggets, 60 to 70 percent. The most impressive quality is the passing, no doubt. He's he's quite arguably the best passing big man of all time. Okay, the second Bill Walton bet, would like to have a word with you, but go ahead. Yeah, I know you're I mean, young, yeah, but but Bill wasn't shooting a tray ball like that. Okay, Bill, I got Bill, they were, they were, nobody was shooting the trays then. But hey, Bill Walton, hey, rebounding, it, defense, okay. passing, leadership when when he was healthy in Portland. You want to talk about unstoppable? Go no, ahead. He could play, no doubt. I mean, Kevin McHale, right here from Minnesota, he was a power forward, but he was a great player as well. But but the game evolves, and 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 we have to 
the nostalgia around the greats in history doesn't accept the game and the evolution the way it really is. Jamal Murray is as good of a guard, as good of a combo guard as we've ever seen in the NBA from a skill standpoint. Jamal, and look, I love Isaiah Thomas. Grew up in the Midwest. My dad's from Detroit. Isaiah Thomas would have a tough time guarding Jamal Murray. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. Yeah, he's shifty. He wouldn't have to. Who would? Joe Dumars would have a tough time guarding Jamal Murray in the game today. I'm just, I'm just keeping it. Ri- look, Tracy McGrady would have a tough time guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo. The game evolves. All right, but listen. This is what I'm saying. When it comes to all time, I don't even like the top. Joe Dumars used to guard the only guy that gave Michael Jordan trouble, but couldn't handle Jamal Murray. I know. I know. Joe could guard. Go ahead, young man. No, Joe could. Go ahead. No, no, Joe could. No, but what you got to realize is, listen, listen. Don't turn me into a old man voice. (laughs) No, Joe Dumars didn't. Joe Dumars didn't give Michael Jordan problems. The the Detroit Pistons, as a team, gave Detroit prop gave Michael Jordan problems. And the real problems they gave him is they were allowed to bite, scratch, and pull him out of the air, which really isn't real defense. They they made an argument for the opposite. And they actually ushered in the the you know the the passive offensive friendly uh, refereeing today. You could talk to the great Kenny Maurer about how that whole thing went down. So Michael Jordan was was dominant. Don't get me wrong. The all time list I don't even like. I think too many people spend too much time on all time lists. I'm looking on the it's internet true. and I see constant constant arguments that is a reflection from the barbershop culture. I mean, heated, heated, life-staking arguments about who's top five. You're a jerk off. Who cares? You couldn't throw a ball in, not you, but most guys out there, you couldn't throw a ball in. You can barely, you can barely make it five miles on a treadmill and you want to talk about who's better, Wilt, the all-time athlete, or Jokic, the all-time pinnacle of basketball skill. What does that bear on you? They're coming to take your freedom. Now, if you ask me an all-time top five list, Jokic is right up there. He may be on, may be off, but he's right up there. I mean, it's so inconsequential to me. I'm worried about going to nuclear war. I don't know what everybody else has going on in their life. I know. I know. But just keep in mind, Royce, you were the first one to say, I didn't even say it. You brought it up. They're like, hey, in a different era, and you could bump him and do this or that. You brought it up, Royce. You, yeah, yeah, no, he would you have a little bit of trouble. You reached for the KY jelly, Royce. <laughs> he, he would have, look, 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 he would have a little bit of trouble. And I'll tell you why. I'll back my point up. I'll, I'll back it up. Yeah. <laughs> he would have a little bit of trouble because his body uh, isn't built. He's not built well, okay? He's not a, a, he doesn't have an athletic body. And and so I take a, a mixed martial artist. Is, right? is Roy like, taking a pot shot at me every time he does this? Is is he real, is, is he really subtweeting me never, right now? Never. <laughs> every time he says he doesn't have an athletic body. Yeah. <laughs> stop. He's stop, telling the truth stop. though, because I'm looking at him and I'm like, those they're bigger, but those are noodle arms. Like there's no definition in his arms. I don't see the deltoids or the biceps. I'm very uncomfortable with this whole conversation. <laughs> my, Go ahead, my, my point is this. My point is this, that Jokic, if the game was as physical as it once was, and he had to go against the, the, the long list of very, very good big men and that constant bumping for 80 to 90 games a season and then a playoffs, I don't know if he would have the motor to do so. And you're also talking about an era where guys weren't getting rested. You played all the games. You played through injuries. You didn't rest for three games because I just am. I mean, I'm, I'm the star. Yeah. 
It, that wasn't a real thing. So I'm saying that he might have he, he might not have been as productive, 40, 20, and 10, but would he be good enough to still be dominant? Absolutely. Absolutely he would. He just probably wouldn't be able to do it at that level. 10 points is a big deal. I mean, a 40, 20, 10 triple-double and a 25, uh, 18, and 10 triple-double is a big difference statistically. And the softness of the game allows for that. Allows for that. It's unimportant. Don't worry about it. Hey, uh, Royce, thank you so much. I got to go. Shamika's dropped her earpiece, and now she's scratching her microphone. She's doing all kinds of things to distract me. Uh, but, Royce, great job. Uh, I finally got Royce in an inconsequential conversation. I enjoyed it. Uh, enjoyed the conversation about Nikola Jokic. Now I want to tell you guys about uh, one of my favorite partners here. You guys know every time I reach for this phone, I'm reaching for my Patriot mobile phone. What am I, four or five months into this Patriot mobile phone now? Haven't had one problem. Has been one of the great additions of my life. I needed a new phone. I needed to be with a company that supports my values, that's a part of this parallel economy that we're trying to, to start so that conservatives, so that Christians, so that believers in traditional values have some place to do business with that shares our values and promotes our values. Patriot Mobile, 100% U.S.-based customer service program. It's the only Christian conservative wireless provider offering dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks so you get the best possible service in your area without the woke politics. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending a message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your phone, keep your number two, just go to patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Jason. Ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. Get the same dependable service and take a stand for your values and make the switch today. Patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call 878-PATRIOT. Perfect day to be talking about Patriot Mobile as I sit here and tell you about the ruination and the collateral damage of globalism. That's why you need to be supporting American companies like Patriot Mobile. Uh, listen, immediately after this show today, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, we're hosting a Twitter Spaces uh, at Whitlock Jason. We're going to be talking about black Twitter and the criminal justice system. Got a great lineup of people. Invite you into the conversation. When this show's done, hop over to Twitter and join us on Twitter Spaces. We have a great conversation. All right, don't go anywhere. Steve Kim. It's my obligation or hate discrimination raising up your hands for freedom. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. 
All right, welcome back. Uh, time for some Korean Cosell. We've been talking about Nikola Jokic. Uh, we heard from Royce White. Now we want uh, Steve Kim's take on the Denver Nuggets star, now NBA champion, now NBA Finals MVP. Uh, now a guy that can't wait to get home to Serbia and get the hell out of America. Steve, what did you think of Nikola Jokic's reaction to becoming a champion and really kind of being like, eh, I really don't care, I just want to go home. Uh, what, what do you read into that? I didn't really take it that way. Jason, I, I think this is a guy who, in the immortal words of Chris Rock, they did what they're supposed to do. They were the best team, he's the best player, it's a matter of fact. We're gonna be here many more times. This is just the first of one. And Jason, I read your column and I, I disagree. I actually liked how he just took it in stride that he's a great player, he's got much more to accomplish, but he's going to keep things in perspective. He's not looking to go viral. He's not trying to be the athletic Sun Tzu and, and give some platitude that he read in a book and, and, and be popular off of it. He did his job. It was a job well done, and now he goes home, and it's about proper priorities. Let's be honest. He didn't save cancer. He didn't save any lives. All he did was win an NBA title, and we'll see him in a couple months in training camp. We'll put up another MVP campaign. Well done. That's a serious person. Okay, and so you know the history of sports as well as I do, if not better. Uh, when the Miami Hurricanes uh, win a championship, they certainly don't act like uh, Nikola Jokic. When Michael Jordan, when Muhammad Ali, when any, I can't think of anybody who's ever won the crowning achievement in their sport, allegedly, that has his reaction. And, and so you have to acknowledge, it was rather unique. I get that you'd like it in a world where all these athletes are fake and they're all, hey, look at me. But that was a pretty unique reaction, no? No, you're right. So you're absolutely right. But we are talking about authenticity here. And if that is authentic to how he feels in his culture and his upbringing, we don't have to like it. We don't have to agree with it. But I, I love the fact that he's just being who he is. Uh, I don't expect him to react like Kevin Garnett or Magic Johnson, who are certainly much more exuberant. Uh, you know, in life, there is this saying. Certain guys are all flash, right? But they're not really what you think they are or they're not as good as they're hyped up to be. In other words, they're much more sizzle than steak. Well, Nikolai Jokic, he, he is filet mignon. I mean, that effort that he put up throughout the regular season and now the playoff, which is a historic run. And now he just says, you know what? My job is done here. I brought Denver great joy. And if that's the way he is as a personality and that reflects who he is, I don't necessarily love it, but I do respect it. Is it good or bad or no, or is it nothing to the NBA that their best player kind of like, ah, eh, won a championship, no big deal. Uh, oh, Let me wait get a minute. It, it's a lot better than their, one of their better players having a gun and playing Wyatt Earp. <laughs> uh, I, I mean. Oh, you just went honestly. what about, huh? Well, what about him? What about Favre? <laughs> I, I mean, think about it. I, I mean, I, I'm happy for Denver. And I enjoyed this NBA Finals. I actually did watch a pretty good amount of it. I love the fact that they're a really good team. They have great complementary parts like Gordon, who I thought did some great work yesterday doing all those other things 
that your superstars aren't expected to do. He plugged a lot of gaps. I have a lot of respect for what that guy does. And that they're an organic franchise. They're not going to ever really get the big name super team put together through free agency. And they have a guy that seems to like say, you know what, I'm going to be the anchor of this franchise. And guys like Jamal Murray who rebounded. And I also love the fact that Jokic winning the title this year caused a gnashing of the teeth from all these NBA pundits who doubted him. I mean, Jason, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I almost felt like putting on a throwback Alex English jersey because I wanted them to win this just for the reactions that they were going to cause. You know, it reminded me of one of my favorite best episodes of Martin. I think it was, I don't know what season it was. Do you remember when Pam and Tommy started to date behind everyone's back? <laughs> and then Gina found out about it and she could not wait to, to look at the reaction of Martin who almost had a heart attack. That's one of the classic episodes, by the way, when they were found out, they're in the living room. And when that clock was running down, I was like, oh, I can't wait. Oh, I turned into a Nugget fan. And so, and I just loved, and I, I this is why I enjoy Jokic's game. It's a smart, intelligent game, and he makes so many of the right reads. Wherever he has the ball, low post, high post, above the three-point line, the reads that he makes are incredible. But the thing that I love about his game is that being this relatively slow, unathletic white guy, it debunks any arguments that no one in the 80s could play today. Because my argument, if Jokic can dominate, what makes you think Akeem Olajuwon couldn't? So he fills a lot of boxes for me. God bless that fine young man. Fine young man. Steve, I'm going to throw a curveball. Although I I told you about this, I'm more throwing a curveball for Justin and these guys. I want to play the clip of uh, Shannon Sharp and mm. Skip Bayless today. Uh, you know, Jokic uh, should get credit for ending undisputed a few days early by wrapping up this series yeah. in five games. Uh, Shannon Sharp made his last appearance on Undisputed today, and I want to play you the clip of Skip and Shannon talking about it, and I, I want to know if you buy what they're selling. Peace. Skip Bayless, mm. you fought for me, bro. Did I? I'm here because of you. You've allowed me to share the stage with you. You've allowed me to share the platform. I'm going to cry in the car, but I'm not going to mm. cry now. The opportunity that you gave me to become what I became, I'm forever indebted to you. I'll never forget what you did for me. You've helped me grow more than you ever know. Okay, this is not easy for me either. But one more thing, I one more thing to, before you yeah, go, Skip. Okay. One more thing. All I ask is when you lay your head on that pill at night, you know I gave you everything I had. You did. I gave you everything I had. Which is why I want to thank you for all you have given to me. When I first took this job back in June of 2016, we had a whole nother format in mind until it became clear Shannon Sharp is available, and I said, I believe he can do this. And did you ever? The critics just savaged us when we first started. Undisputed will never last. FS1 will never last. Did we ever show them? Mm -hmm. I want to thank you for dedicating yourself to this job. It is a voracious beast of a show, day after day after day. You dedicated yourself to this job just the way you dedicated yourself to professional football as a Hall of Famer. I want to thank you for never taking a sick day. 
-hmm. I want to thank you for preparing as hard as you could every single day, every single topic. I want to thank you for competing as hard as you competed with me because the greatest compliment I can give you is you were a worthy adversary. I want to thank you and tell you that I love you for what you have done for for me. And I'm good, Shannon. I'm I'm going to miss our diet do bets. <laughs> you, you owe me you owe me a lot. I do. I do. I'm going to miss our LeBron battles, even though he's still the phony goat. But <laughs> I, I'm going to miss our cowboy arguments. How about them cowboys? Because you were right about my Dallas Cowboys from day one. Right. In the end, I just want you to know that it was because of you. You made possible a very, very special time in my career. And this is a happy, sad moment for me because I look forward to your next great achievement and it is coming. Yep. But tonight, I just want you to know, I will toast you with a Diet Mountain Dew. Thank you. Hmm. Hmm. You buying that, Kill? Well, okay. Now, does that not make you appreciate the stoicism of Jokic. Say you rip the guy. You write. You write a whole a whole column. Say, oh my god. You know what? Isn't that preferable? It's look. Do I think the words were sincere? I do. They, they were partners in crime. They did some good things. It was acrimonious at the end. But the emotions of it, the tears, I'm like, oh, God, that, that looked uncomfortable to watch. Last it week, really the did. guy was liking tweets, calling Skip a piece of crap. I agree. Just last look, week. Okay, but there are a lot of marriages that end with people fighting each other, hitting each other, throwing each other's clothes on fire. Like, uh, you know, what is that movie? Uh, the one with Angela Bassett. Right? Waiting, to waiting to yeah, exhale. Yeah, waiting to exhale. She exhaled all right. But anyway, but at the end, you know, when, when they have to split up the kids and they're moving out, who gets the dog, you still have feelings. I mean, it's still a relationship of some sort. So I kind of uh, disagrees the, with you, which I'm glad um, after, after that, after that mess y'all created yesterday on New Orleans, I'm glad Shamika's no on the right side of this argument. You, you disagree? Yeah, I didn't cry the day I got divorced. And I certainly didn't cry, like, moving out with it. Like, that part was over. And so I don't buy any of this whole, you know, it's like the world's smallest violin should have been playing. I didn't buy any of that, oh, you know, especially after he was liking those tweets. No way. Just last week, he's liking tweets, calling Skip a piece of doo-doo's. Steve, Shannon, and now you want Shannon, to skip. I just want to thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you. You uh, he didn't want to commit. Skip, he did not. You. He did not want to commit the sin of ingratitude. Now, again, do I think he went over the top when he went dig for a meal? Yes, but you could still have animus. You could have certain feelings. Yet, still at the same time, be grateful for the things a relationship gave to you. Look, it, it was time for them to part, and they have now parted ways. You can still have, look, if, if any relationship that you have, Jason, whether it's personal or business, is 95% fruitful, okay, and it advances you in a certain way, professionally or personally, yes, that 5% may be very painful. You may not like it, but why overlook the other 95%? Seriously. Steve, Steve, who quits a job on a Tuesday? It's Tuesday. If any of that were legitimate, if any of that were legitimate, you work through the week, it ends on Friday. It's not like, whoo, game's over, 
Championship game. I'm out of here. The very next day, it, it, it's over. The, as soon as the NBA championship is over, the very, you don't work through Friday. If any, if any of that is legitimate. Again, again, sometimes parting is sweet sorrow, such sorrow or something like that. Maybe they just don't have anything to talk about now. I, I mean, maybe maybe the Fox management said, OK, as soon as the NBA finals is over, you guys are done. We don't really know the parameters of that agreement. We don't know who pulled the plug, who went Dr. Kevorkian in there. I, I mean, look, it is. Oh, we it, have been talking. It, it certainly wasn't a guy liking tweets calling the other guy a piece no. of doo doo. Right. He didn't do it. <laughs> no, well, you, okay. He should have. Were you on the OJ jury? Were you, were you, no. I mean, well, look. There's blood everywhere. OJ's hands cut. There's blood in the Bronco. And Steve's like, well. well no, okay. All right. So, with that said, with that said, let me go Johnny Kimkren here. Obviously, they did not fit. So now they must quit. They got I me. Mean, come on. We've been doing shows for five, six months about how they don't get along. There's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of animosity. It's very tense. Okay. So now they decided to shake hands and at least leave on somewhat good terms. Now, do I, again, do I think the emotion was a little bit something over the top? Yeah, I do. I do. But there's nothing wrong with just saying, you know what? Let's remember the good times. How about even Skip pretending like they set the television ratings world on fire? Yeah, well, that's they not accompli- true. Every, everybody said this wouldn't work and this blah, blah, blah. No, they didn't. I mean, and boy, did we prove them wrong. Blah, blah. Come on. The whole thing was phony. I, I, uh, they should have just Jason. talked about the game and at the end of the show said, hey, brother, man, good luck to you. Good luck to you. But putting on all this extra deal about, I love you. You don't love a person who, who puts you in the crosshairs of every idiot, LeBron James, Ja Morant, uh, DeMar Hamlin. You remember the DeMar Hamlin thing? How Skip basically, I mean, not Skip, Shannon basically pointed a finger from black Twitter saying, hey, set this man on fire. Yeah. And if you catch him out in the street, give him a beat down for me. Oh, look what he did to DeMar Hamlin. This man put Skip in danger. And now, I love you, Shannon. Well, Th- this on. is, I-, I got more respect for Biggie and Pop. Put put out diss tracks. Oh God! Oh God! Put out. Oh no no. Okay, Jason. It didn't end with diss tracks, by the way. It ended up with them dying. But anyway, how do you know that Skip? How do you know that Skip didn't say, "All right, you know what? Then you know Skip is a certain way. He has his idiosyncratic ways. You know that. He's very temperamental." How do we know that it wasn't Skip that said, okay, as soon as the NBA Finals is over, I'm going to turn the page and let's, let's move on to my next partner. We don't know that. We do not know that, Jason. I, I, that, that would have been fine, but it's the theatrics that they did for this show. Like, I was waiting for them to say, only death can keep me from it. You know, <laughs> it was just too much. <laughs> I, Kim, something's going on with you. That what New Orleans mean? conversation yesterday, now this it? conversation today, oh, I thought what? I knew you, and now I'm starting to, I, I don't really know you. There, there's something, oh, there, is, is there some kind of MK Ultra thing going on with you? Are you out of your mind? No, other than the fact that uh, I, 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 oh, I might as well drop the news now. Yeah, I, I am going to be uh, 
I'm going to be trying out to be Skip's new partner. I got, I got to get out of here. And t- yeah, outside of that, nothing. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You don't know You me. would actually you be good me. on that show. Yeah. I, I, I could make that recommendation. You'd be good on that show. Uh, hey, I want to no switch thanks. up and, and throw, you one, <laughs> throw you one last softball. Uh, did you read the Deadspin piece on, you know, Brittany Griner and, and just – the whole WNBA, the WNBA is being mistreated, Steve, because it's a black league. If there were pretty blonde white girls playing in the <sighs> league that everyone ignored, uh, they'd be getting treated. But they'd be getting treated like the U.S. Uh, soccer, women's soccer team, because that was predominantly white girls. And even though Megan Rapino and all the white girls are complaining that they're not getting treated well, Deadspin has concluded that they're pampered and treated well. And, and the WNBA players, the reason no one likes them is because they're black and they're lesbian. Uh, I, I, this is, I mean, Despin writes a lot of bad pieces. This was one of the most disjointed, illogical pieces I've ever read. Look, the basketball's not that good. Too many of them are tatted up and look yeah. like dudes, like Britney. That's why no one's watching. It, 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 it's, it's just not that compelling a brand of basketball. It's predominantly black women dominating college basketball. They're not having a problem drawing attention and drawing ratings. And, and you know, they're not, ain't nobody mistreating Angel Reese, it doesn't seem like. But WNBA tatted up Brittany Griner, uh, you know, talking about she hates America, taking a knee during the national anthem. It's none of that. It's if, if these were white girls, everybody would love them. Well, and not only that, I don't want to repeat anything you said. There's another issue. They're perennial malcontents. They complain too damn much. Uh, and they're anti-U.S. They're, they're very unpatriotic. And I think most of America's just done with them. And aesthetically, they're not nice to look at. And it's not really a compelling entertainment uh, capsule of time. Like, I'll be honest with you, Jason, like when I watch women's softball, I guess their World Series just ended. I happen to be on the channel. I actually don't like mind watching it. The women are nice looking. They're very uh, feminine and they could actually play ball. And I like the pace of play. So it's pretty entertaining to me. In fact, I like it more than baseball, by the way. Um, Here's the interesting thing. Let's say a bunch of white guys started their own basketball league. They said, you know what? We're not doing that NBA thing. So let's say let's say we're going to get all the whites and Asians and Latin guys because we know we're getting the NBA. We're not good enough, but we need to start our own league. I I am of the belief that me alongside everyone else, we we wouldn't watch that other league, the white NBA. We wouldn't watch that W because you know why? Because the play would be so poor. I don't want to see a bunch of reverse layups and 30 foot jumpers that clang off. I actually want to see the best athletes in the world play. And I want to see some entertainment and I want to see things that I can't do athletically. And that is one of the problems with the WNBA is that they have this sense of entitlement that just reeks of self-importance. And, and it's not, a, I don't think it's a racial thing because Jason, if you look at the sports in America that we care about, which for the most part is the NFL, then college football, then the NBA, right? For the, and then baseball. Many of these sports are dominated by black and foreign athletes of color. So that that to me, this whole argument, and yes, and Jason, 
like the rest of America, no, I did not read Deadspin. So you lost me there. I did not read Deadspin. <laughs> I haven't read Deadspin in about a dozen move, years. Let me move you into your real area of expertise. Uh, gang warfare between uh, the money team and mm, the Gotti mm, team. Mm, and mm, <laughs> the, I don't know uh, what, you got to break this down for me. I, I can't even... There was a brawl, and then there's been tweets and Instagram posts. This thing could get as messy as Biggie and Pac. Uh, the, <laughs> let's play the, uh, seriously, and you tell me if I'm wrong. But let's play. Let's watch this little post-fight or mid-fight. I don't know when this brawl happened, but the Mayweather Gotti brawl was pretty insane. Let's play the clip. They didn't even, we don't even have the clip. After the deal, the fight spins out. Yes. Outside the ring. Uh, Break this down for me. What should we think about this? This looks serious to me. Well, here's the thing. That Mayweather-Gotti was actually more entertaining and competitive than when Mayweather actually fought Arturo Gatti. Look, I don't, I think you're making too much of it. Look, if this was the 80s, when John Gotti was still John Gotti, maybe there's an issue here. I don't know what to think. This is just something that's out of control. I know people that worked that event. There were way too many people that had credentials that were ringside that had no business being there. And the security was very, very lax. What I found interesting, yes, was there a bit of a Mayweather camp against the Gaudy camp? Yes. But I have studied these things, um, these various social media posts like the Zupruder film. I went through them frame by frame. I took copious notes. A lot of the fights were blacks against blacks. Jocelyn Hernandez was throwing hands. I mean, she was bobbing and weaving, and I don't mean that about her hair. Um, (laughs) Fights were breaking out all over the place between people. So it wasn't just like the Italians going against the blacks. It didn't look like Bensonhurst in 1984. I'm sorry. If you actually watch a lot of those social media things that were posted, and I sent you a lot of them, it seemed to me like there were other rivalries in play. And I just wonder with Gaddy, uh, excuse me, with Floyd, is this worth it? Do you really need the money that bad to be involved in this? Because, Jason, I don't want to be cynical. I'm not saying this to be gratuitous. It's I'm actually a little bit surprised that there were no gunshots because you know how these things escalate. People get disrespected. They get hit. They get hurt. They get angry and bang, bang, bang and shoot out at the OK Corral. OK, and, and if I'm a venue and I think that was in Miami, somewhere in South Florida, if I am a building that hosts events on a regular basis, and if Mayweather's crew calls about doing an exhibition, I'd be like, pass, pass. But I, you know, it is what it was. It was fun and games. And finally, Mayweather was involved in a fight that I was actually entertained by. So congratulations to him. What about the threats to his daughter? He don't think that's anything? The threats to his I mean, daughter. Okay, Yaya. Oh, Yaya. They're uh, one of the baby mamas of uh, NBA young boy. I look. I, I think that was completely out of line. But do I do I think that I look? I am not a expert on the mob. Okay, but I 
get the sense that the Gotti or the Gambino crime family, I don't think they have quite the same influence. I Look, I think it was completely ill-advised. It was out of line. But do I think that Yaya is in trouble? She might be in no more trouble given who she hangs out with to begin with. Let's just be honest about it. You've said a couple of different things, though. You said, not a big deal, but I'm shocked there was no gunplay. <laughs> I am. And what, what, that's am I wrong? A, no, you're not wrong, wrong, but that means <laughs> it's a big deal. And, I mean, the, the fact that it could lead to something. I mean, you sound like the people say, oh, yeah, Biggie and Pac, that's just all for show. That, that, that's just to sell records until bodies started dropping. I mean, you look, in, if, if I was or I am like, I have no interest in covering those events at all. I'm not even against them. Uh, I'm a capitalist. So let people make their money. Uh, let, let there be the theory of supply and demand at play. Right. Those those novelty fights involving anybody. I've never really gotten into them. But there are more and more situations that happen at boxing events. Like anytime Tank Davis fights, something might set off because there's a track record of it. It's been reported on. I know people that have been there. And so you better be careful where you go. And unfortunately, that event, which is supposed to be just a fun exhibition, everyone makes their money, got completely out of hand. Um so do I think that now every Mayweather fight might be a powder keg? I don't know. It's hard It's hard to say, to be honest with you. But, yeah, I, I am actually surprised given how heated it got and how long some of those brawls and those fights took place. Why aren't we surprised that someone just said, you know what, no, I'm going to take care of this and bring out their heat? Thank you, Steve. I'm going to let you go. You, you, you know, I will say this. This is an improvement over yesterday when I thought you clearly had your worst appearance ever with the comments you made. Put Steve back on camera. I want to see his reaction to this. Oh. Uh, you, you made some of the silliest statements ever about the New Orleans thing. I will say this, though. What? TJ Moe jumps on Instagram oh. and agrees with you. There's a few people in my email box who agree with you, which I'm just completely shocked by. That there, that there are that many delusional people that Thank agree you. with you and Shamika. Uh, so Thank you. today was a step up from yesterday. Uh, we'll see how well you do tomorrow. TJ's a fine, you. fine person. He's one of our finest people. That's all I'll say. See you tomorrow. <laughs> shocked me with that one, TJ, dear. All right, uh, I'm going to shock you guys by talking about liver health formula. You guys know I've been using this stuff for nearly two years. They jumped on board as a sponsor without any uh, advice from me or me, any recruitment from me, this is as authentic a recommendation that I can give you. Uh, and not all of them are authentic, but I mean, when you've been using a product for nearly two years and then they say, hey, we wanna jump on board with Whitlock and his show, I, I just gotta say, this liver health formula, for those of you that struggle with your weight, perhaps you have fatty liver, more than 100 million Americans do, if you have a fatty liver, you're three and a half times more likely to have heart failure and other kind of problems. You have to support your liver. I've been doing it. We've been taxing our liver with food and cholesterol and alcohol and all kinds of toxins and Tylenol. Liver health formula is what you need to combat the abuse we've been giving our liver. And those of us that have fatty liver, if you're struggling to lose weight, this stuff has helped me. It has 
an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver, manufactured right here in the US of A and approved by American doctors. So if you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy, and transform how you look and feel, try Liver Health Formula and receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula to reduce sugar cravings when you order today. Try Liver Health Formula by going to getliverhelp.com slash Jason and claim your free bonus gift. That's getliverhelp.com slash Jason. Tamika Michelle is going to come back with me and she's going to make it make sense. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for uh, Shamika, since she's here in town, she might as well make it make sense for me. Uh, at the Tony Awards, I don't know if you saw this, Shamika, uh, but I think her name's Denise Benton. Calls Ron DeSantis a, the grand wizard of the KKK. I think we have the clip, let's play it. And while I am certain that the current grand wizard, I'm sorry, excuse me, governor of my home state of Florida will be changing. To wild applause. And so, I mean, the first thing I think of, and I want you to make it, is like, people are like, oh, if we just move past Trump, they won't be calling the Republican candidate a KKK person, blah, blah, blah. That we can really debate the issues if we just move past Trump. And now Ron DeSantis, he, he's a white supremacist as well. Right. And this shows that black women maybe are the most educated, but they're certainly not the most smartest or logical, because why would you even get on a national stage and say this? And how is it that so many people are celebrating her instead of rebuking her and telling her that this was inappropriate? Black women can do whatever they want. Play the race card, play the, the, the female card. There is no uh, challenging them or correcting them at all. What's the standard for being in the KKK? I mean, what, what did, oh, he's against critical race theory. Right. Uh, it being taught in school. So and, and grooming for the kids. He's against that as well. And if he's a KKK grand wizard, why would he want to change the name of plantation? Like, wouldn't he want to leave that? <laughs> so I, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the White House and Joe Biden, uh, they welcomed the LGBTQ, the Alphabet Mafia, uh, to the White House and had a pride celebration that, uh, not surprisingly, featured some nudity. Uh, let's play the clip. Welcome to the White House. Thank you. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. 
Happy Pride Year. Happy Pride Life. Yeah. Transgender children. You are beautiful. You are heard. You belong. You are understood. You are loved. And you belong. Yeah. Some of the bravest and most inspiring people I've ever known. I mean, you're welcome. Good folks. Can we take a little video? Hi, Mr. President. It is an honor of trans rights or human rights. Oh, it's a video. Oh, it's a video. Make that make sense. Well, apparently the White House has come out and said that that was disrespectful. Oh, they did? Yeah. Uh, recently, I guess, in the last hour or two, and saying that those people won't be invited back to any future events, which I am happy about because I am sick of the Alphabet Mafia being able to get away with all of this lewd type of behavior just because they're gay. And then Joe Biden standing up there saying this is the bravest, most inspiring people he's ever met. Well, if showing your boobs is brave, then somebody need to double back 30 years and come give me my purple heart because... <laughs> <laughs> What in the world? You know, and it just bothers me that this is allowed. Like, I've been. Mika, we're granting you the Presidential Honor of Freedom or the Medal of Freedom for your work at the Kit Kat Club. Exactly. Because every time Janet Jackson's Black Cat came on, the club was lit. So I need some type of award and recognition and honor for that. Uh, because this is crazy to me. So. I'm a little surprised that they came out and rebuked them and, and, and said this, that, that that is a small line in the sand. But I'm just trying to, what did they expect? If you stand on a stage and, and call people, oh, you're the most courageous, the most honorable, the most high integrity people, and, and, and all because of how you engage in sex or how you've chopped off or changed your genders, that makes you the most courageous and honorable people in the world. I mean, all that pandering, and again, I can make sense of this, is, and I want you to react to the last part of this statement. I'm they're building a political block, the Democrats are, of the LGBTQ and their parents are gonna be a part, and here's the part I want you to react to. The Republicans, over the next five years, will be pandering just as hard to that voting block as the Democrats are today. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree with you because they've already started just a little bit doing that, you know, with those who are acceptable. You know, the, the, the alphabet mafia that they feel like aren't as out there or aren't as dangerous. They're doing the same thing, having uh, events for them. Trump is honoring them at Mar-a-Lago. So the Republicans will be on that road because they want to get votes. And instead of standing on something, they will fall for absolutely anything. We're seeing it. And yeah, this, I mean, 
why did we expect these people to be at the White House to act with class when we know they are mentally disturbed is beyond me. And so we're going to go down that mentally disturbed path telling them, yeah, I know you're crazy. I know you're a few French fries short of a happy meal, but you're bravest and most inspiring people. You got to vote. Right. You have a vote. And so that, that makes you very uh, valuable. Listen, I, I get it in terms of I want everybody to watch this show. And, and I couldn't really, I don't want to know about your personal life or your sexual life. I just want you to watch this show. But I'm not going to change up anything that I say to make you feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so uh, let's say you're someone like me and you struggle with gluttony. I'm going to speak against gluttony. I don't care if that makes me uncomfortable or any fat person watching the show uncomfortable. I'm going to speak against it. I'm going to speak against the whole Alphabet Mafia crew. want you to watch the show, but I'm going to tell you the truth about what I think about the Alphabet Mafia. I, 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 I get, I don't want to silence people, but I, I do want to let people know that they're Sexual preferences, their sin doesn't make them special, and I don't have to cater my positions around, well, that's that person's pet sin. Uh, that's what they, you know, Whitlock loves to eat at McDonald's, so don't let me say a bad word about Ronald McDonald. Not gonna do it, not here. All right, thank you, Shamika. Thank you for helping make it make sense. Uh, Charlie Kirk, next. All right, welcome back. We're honored to be joined by the founder and CEO of Turning Point USA, host of the Charlie Kirk Show, Charlie Kirk. Uh, Charlie, uh, welcome to the show. I, I want to start. Thank you. Where, where I wasn't anticipating starting, but you know, hearing this news earlier in the day makes me think that Pride Month is going completely different than I anticipated. Today, we learned that Starbucks has instructed its locations to pull down, pull back from their pride decorations throughout the store. And, and I, I think I said this last week, and, and now I think there's even more momentum. I actually think we're winning in this culture war as it relates to pride. We actually have some wind at our back. Is that the way you feel? Shockingly, yes. I mean, the bad guys, the enemy, are they're finally showing some weakness, some shame. I didn't know they actually had some shame. I thought it was all about pride, no matter what. We don't care about the cost, evangelistic, secular zeal. I feel the same way, and I'm equally as surprised because, I mean, I fight these people on campuses all the time. And one of their rules is that you should never show any weakness. You must be just belligerently, ferociously aggressive at all times. And but now you're seeing a new element, which is in a weaker economy. Right, Jason, with interest rates a little bit higher, the economy a little bit more fragile, stocks going down a little bit. All of a sudden, a different decision making matrix is entering, which is, hey, guys, yeah, you know, this whole pride thing is fine, whatever. But our stock is down 15 percent. 
and we're no longer the number one beer or we're no longer able to compete against other companies because finally there is a consumer price to be paid. And I think our side deserves a lot of credit. We are starting to make decisions based on whether or not a company shares our values. We're not all the way there yet, Jason. Once half the country truly starts to unify their purchasing power, we're going to see even more stuff change. So this is just the beginning stages. But we're finally starting to see these otherwise untouchable companies start to be a little bit hesitant be a little bit fearful. The Starbucks one is shocking, Jason. If there was one company that I did not expect any sort of wavering, it would be Starbucks. They are notoriously one of the flag wavers, literally, of the pride agenda. And yet even they're saying this is too much for us. That means they're seeing an impact directly to their profits and this ridiculous propaganda campaign that is nauseating, that is over the top, is finally starting to threaten some of this, some of their corporate, their corporate profitability and future. I think we have to keep the pressure on, and I'm finally seeing some momentum. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that what happened to Bud Light and what happened to Target clearly had an impact, but I also think they probably must have some internal research that says, like, oh my God, this could turn into a tsunami. Yep. That this whole thing with sexualizing kids. I'm sure they have data and have done research to like, hey man, parents and, and normally progressive people are rejecting the sexualization of kids, libs of TikTok and this whole yes. social media, put it in, in people's face. Uh, what, you know, what happened at the White House yesterday, fl flying the pride flag. I think they're all like, oh, my God, we have finally gone too far. Yes. And they have research beyond Bud Light and all that that says that. Well, two thoughts. Number one, I think people are disgusted when the White House has turned into a strip club, when you have trannies showing up and literally undressing. That's not an exaggeration. They're taking their clothes off at the White House. I mean, th that is a desecration and an insult to the people's house. I think most ordinary Americans are like, yeah, that's not for me. But Jason, I, I think you're right. But also, wouldn't you love to be kind of a fly on the wall to hear the market research firm that they hired in the corporate boardroom? Uh, yeah, you know what, Coca-Cola guys, it's not a good idea to support the castration of children. Wow, we never would have thought that. You know, could you imagine like them sharing it in a corporate boardroom? This stuff is obvious to you and I, where I agree they probably have overwhelming amounts of data that pandering to a incredibly vocal, aggressive minority is not a good way to get 80% of the country to buy your product. The other thing that I find fascinating that I think you would be an expert in this regard because you do so much work with faith leaders the fact that the uh, pushback isn't really coming from the church, it's coming from believers that have started organizations like Turning Point USA that work Jeremy Boring and the Daily Wire, mm -hmm. The Blaze and what we're doing. The, the church isn't really the leader of this. It's what believers have built outside the church that's the leader of this pushback. And I, is that a good thing, a bad thing, or it doesn't matter who the leader is? 
Well, it's certainly necessary. It's, and I think you're exactly right. We're seeing this kind of new generation of Christian entrepreneurs that are building big and bold and beautiful things to fulfill Psalm 9710, which is to love God and hate evil. That if you love God, you must hate evil. And this is something modern Christianity has done a very poor job of. Modern Christianity has written some extremely good music. I listen to it. Uh, They do a lot of good rock concerts. They put on things that are closer to a TED Talk than actually preaching the word of God. Uh, They're really good at parking cars at mega churches and serving coffee in lobbies of big churches. Not too good at hating evil. But that is a component. We are called to hate evil. In fact, Jesus himself confronted the demonic and and using using obviously his authority as the son of God and part of the Godhead, excommunicating the demonic, we are called to also fight that evil. And I don't think the American church is even contested in that arena. So you look at The Blaze, you look at Daily Wire and Turning Point USA, three great examples. We are kind of filling the void where a lot of church and Jason parachurch ministries are not fighting. I mean, there are a lot of these parachurch ministries, you could think of Young Life or Campus Crusade or K-Love, and they do good work. But are they really fighting against the trans agenda? Are they really communicating to their audience about the grooming of children? No, they say we're not political and we don't take stances on that. I think that's a vanilla cop-out. This is a biblical spiritual battle where they're going after children. This is not Republican or Democrat. No, no, this is good and evil. And if the church and parachurch ministries aren't going to stand up, then a new generation of believers and spirit-filled entrepreneurs are going to build things to be able to fill that void. So I'm encouraged, Jason, because the old way of doing things of pastors that used to do cop-outs, and I mention them a lot, you know, kind of these nice guy pastors, happy talk pastors, their, their time is over. Their congregations are shrinking. Their ministries are really evaporating. They're not finishing well. And now it's time for us to rebuke this evil. That is the new pagan secular religion. Let's be very clear, Jason. There is no such thing as a religionless society in America. You just replace Christianity with a counterfeit religion that looks very similar to the earth worship to the worship of self that the Bible was actually originally written as a refutation of. The first five books of Moses, what we call the Pentateuch or the Torah, was at war with pagan polytheism, worship of self, worship of earth, worship of sexual behavior. And now we're just seeing the the kind of old gods resurrected and we call it pride. Charlie, so Turning Point does a lot of work with pastors and ministers. You get them together and have, how are they receiving your message and this new, more aggressive strategy? The, the ministers you're dealing with, are they hopping on board or are you having to put a, uh, uh, are you having to pride them or wow, like put a burr in their saddle or what do you do to a cattle to move it? <laughs> Stick them with a prod. Anyway, how are they receiving you your message? Overwhelmingly positive. Look, I mean, there's, there's detractors and there's naysayers. They don't like to confront me directly. Uh, I wonder why they're always welcome on my show to, you know, I would love to have a conversation with them. They just call me names. They call me a Christian nationalist, whatever that means. And, but we had a 1,100 pastors and wives, Jason, at our event in Nashville. It was the largest pastor summit of its kind. We have another one coming up in San Diego. I'd love to have you, you know, teach them something. They, they could learn a lot about what's happening from you. And look, what we're learning from our pastors, what we're learning from doing this with pastors is that there is a hunger and there's an appetite. And so 
there's a couple questions we ask to pastors and believers that are not convinced. Number one, what in your life should Jesus not be in charge of? And they say, oh, Jesus should be in charge of everything. I say, okay, well, that includes your political decisions. That includes how you view culture, right? You don't all of a sudden compartmentalize your Christianity. It should be comprehensive. So everything to who you marry, to what music you listen to, to how you act, your faith must inform all those things. The second thing is, hey, when you're 14, when a 14-year-old young lady in your church comes up to you as a senior pastor and asks, hey, I'm thinking of becoming a girl. Do you say we don't do that because we're not political? Or do you love that 14-year-old enough to give her the truth and take stands from the pulpit and in private to be able to preach biblical truth? What we are seeing is pastors that are cowards at times because they do not want to say the things that the world does not want them to say. But I'm here to say that there's an incredibly promising movement of pastors and it's not centralized this is not like from straight from the top of the central the south southern baptist convention it's not straight from some sort of denomination this is word of mouth this is one by one by one of pastors that are gaining um that are joining kind of our movement and our ask is really simple we don't want money from you we're not here to have you join some membership or we want you to be courageous that's my ask i want you to be courageous and we will have your back if you decide to do so I'm going to say one more thing. It'll be somewhat phrased as a question. I'm more want your reaction, but it's I'm almost feeling like we're in the midst of a different kind of revival. And, And again, it's coming from outside the church, but it is Christian entrepreneurs that are trying to do exactly what you talk yes. about. It's exactly what we talk about on this show all the time. It's like, no, let's let the Bible and God inform everything we do. Let's, let's don't, just because they want to have separation of church and state doesn't mean we have to have separation of church and mindset. And so mm-hmm. this feels like a revival. And I'm telling you, I'm sitting here in the middle of Pride Month. I came into it with expectations like, man, it's going to be a war. It's going to be messy. And it's like, man, this is almost like uh, you're young. I don't know if you remember Operation Iraqi Freedom or whatever. And they, we went over there, a desert storm, and everybody just surrendered. As soon as we hopped out of planes, they were like, yeah, hey, I can't wait to surrender. <laughs> that, that's almost kind of how I feel that we're in, this is kind of the revival we all keep looking for is actually maybe happening. Yeah, I, I pray you're right, but we have to stay faithful and we have to keep working and we have to keep our duty. I mean, look, pride is a sin and you will fall if you embrace pride, literally. And this entire movement, will their whole movement will fall. So we have to stay humble in front of the Lord and we have to keep our spiritual disciplines first which is to fast and to pray for our nation and to pray for our leaders and to do the right thing regardless of how overwhelmingly daunting it might seem. And I think we're going to see a Galatians 3 revival, Jason, which is different than other revivals, where it says very clearly in Galatians 3 that the law is a schoolteacher to Christ. So the civil and moral law that is outlined in Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, which inspired the American founders, can actually be a schoolteacher to Christ, as Paul wrote in the letter to Galatians. What do I mean by that? That means that when people start to see a system that's falling apart, like this trans stuff, like open borders, they're going to naturally gravitate to conservative principles. And we're seeing this in the Gallup poll, Jason. The country's becoming more center-right. 
But once you start drinking from the streams of liberty, you're going to want to find its ultimate source, which is Jesus Christ. That liberty is not man's idea. It is God's idea. And what we are seeing, and we've had this hypothesis for a couple years, and I was laughed at by Rick Warren. I was called names by people like Andy Stanley and Levi Lusco and these other weak-kneed, skinny-jean pastoring you know, cowards that are out there where they say, oh, you'll never win people over by talking politics. They are wrong, Jason. People actually want order in every form of life. And guess what? You know, the religion news service syndicated by the Washington Post published an article about us where they said people come to the TPUSA faith events for the politics and they leave as Christians. That is the opposite of everything that we are told. We are told that you can't do that, that politics can ne- not be nothing, you know, ever helpful. That's not for everybody. But some people, for example, see boys becoming girls and borders wide open and post-birth abortion, and they might have never had a good experience with religion, but all of a sudden they come into a TPUSA faith event and we teach them, hey, do you want a country or a civilization where truth is the ultimate principle? And they say, yes. Well, eventually that is going to lead you to Christ because the iron law of Christianity is the iron law of the universe, it all points back to the Logos, which is John 1, which is that our universe has a harmony, has a rhythm, and eventually that will lead you to the truth, which is Jesus Christ. Charlie Kirk is fearless. (laughs) That's awesome. Let me ask you a couple of more politically explicit questions before I I let you go. Uh, The Hunter Biden audio tapes... Are they going to be a big deal or are they going to just be ignored by corporate media and it's no harm, no foul? We ignore anything on Hunter's laptop. We're going to ignore these audio tapes that Chuck Grassley's talking about. Is this going to be a big deal or no deal? I don't know because I, I would just guess. I mean, there's one of two things that are happening here, Jason. Number one. They're going after Trump super hard because obviously they hate him, but they're also trying to create the preconditions to go after Biden and replace him maybe with Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom. Very suspiciously, a lot of outside groups just started spending a ton of money uh, propping up Kamala Harris. So that's something to keep your eye on, but it's all speculation and all guessing. I will be honest with you, though, Jason. I'm incredibly cynical when it comes to holding the Biden crime family accountable. I don't even like talking about it on my show because it just sounds so repetitive and I don't like complaining. I think complaining is really bad um, because it's like every day, oh, wow, they're getting money from this country. What country have they not received a wire transfer from? I mean, it's like Tanzania, eastern Ukraine, Kazakhstan, China. They, they might eventually catch up to them. I hope there is some corporate media coverage of it. I'm not keeping my hopes up. But look, the American Democrat Party right now seems to not care very much. But creating this kind of prerequisite that now all of a sudden presidents are not off limits, I it's possible they indict Hunter and Joe Biden sometime soon. But I see no indications that that's going to happen. So where are you at on Donald Trump? Obviously, you probably, like most of us, think these 37 felony charges are a joke. But where are you at on, do you want him to be the Republican nominee in 24? I do. I've endorsed him, and he's a friend of mine. And I think you said this on Tucker Carlson's program when he used to have a show, you know, a couple months ago, Jason, where you're like, I'm full MAGA now, that they're coming after him with full force. And that really resonated with me. Look, 
there is an attachment that I think a lot of the country has because they're feeling persecuted because of their faith, because of their politics. And they feel now when they see Donald Trump being booked with 37 felony indictments, they have something in common with Donald Trump that they too finally have someone who's also now being persecuted wrongly for their beliefs. Look, Donald Trump has flaws, but he also has a lot of virtues. He's courageous. He works his tail off. He loves the country. He was an excellent president. I totally understand when people voice their flaws, their frustrations, and their feedback. But I ask them to also be equally intellectually honest. Is there anything good about the man? Is there anything that he did when he was president that was admirable or noteworthy? And finally, I'll say this. Him in a Republican primary, he's basically unbeatable right now. Uh, these indictments help him. The vibe of the Republican base understands is an us versus them type, you know, let's just say um, dichotomy right now. And then going into a general election, um, Donald Trump has to basically win three states, Wisconsin, Arizona and Georgia. I don't think these indictments are going to hurt him nearly as much as they hope to. Donald Trump has an opportunity to use this to his benefit and as a positive. There's no guarantee he will. He has an opportunity to make an argument that our government has slid so far out of control over the last 100 years post Woodrow Wilson to create an out of control administrative state and that he is the one to represent the citizens of the country from becoming serfs. No guarantee he'll do this. But personally, Jason, the more they attack him, the more I like him. The more my support of him grows because I have nothing but contempt for this unchecked fourth branch of government, this Leviathan who thinks they get to choose our leaders. The only thing that ever crossed my mind about Trump and moving off of Trump was like, well, if because I, and I made the argument a few times on the show, maybe a year ago that like, well, if we forced the left to actually defend their positions and not just shout the name Trump. And actually, if Trump's out of the way, they actually have to defend their positions, that, that, that their positions all fall apart and they look crazy. But now that I'm watching them, uh, and we, we played a clip earlier today in today's show, where some woman at the Tony Awards is calling Ron DeSantis the Grand Wizard of the KKK. And, and so it, it just more solidly puts me in the Trump camp because it doesn't yes. matter who they put up against Gavin Newsom, Kamala Harris, or Joe Biden. They're going to frame that person. They'll frame me as the KKK. They'll frame Larry Elder as the KKK. If Louis Farrakhan was the president <laughs> or was the presidential That's candidate right. for the Republican, he would be the KKK. And so you know what? I'm just going to stick with Trump because they hate him, I love him, there's a reason they hate him, and, and the more they hate him, the more I love him. Amen, and in a world of the hyper-feminization of society, an alpha male masculine figure is desperately needed right now. The administrative state hates him, he is a threat to them, I support him 100%. Charlie, thank you for the time. I will be joining you out in San Diego. Look forward to it. Uh, look, look forward to engaging with you and the ministers. So uh, I'll see you in San Diego at the latest. God bless you, Jason. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, uh, that's tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life, like a
freedom Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder Making all this moves for freedom I want freedom No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on a corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seed When we all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just 